Great to be here with you again. I love it. Thank you, band. I was afraid you were going to forget that song. I've never heard it before. Victor's Crown. But of course, I'm from the jungle. Somebody said, you're not from around here, are you? And I'm like, no, we're from really far away. But we are excited to be here. And, you know, I come to uh, maybe try to encourage you on, but I have been so encouraged. All week we have been going to home groups and meeting with the missions committee and pastors. And you know what? I want to thank you for all you folks do to keep the flame alive. You keep it going. And when we come back, that's my wife, Myrna, by the way. Stand up, Myrna, so they can see you. Best thing that ever happened to me. But, uh, yeah, it was the uh, first time I ever met uh, Pastor Christian when I came, and, and they had just hired her. She'd been here a year and, and was planning on staying a while. And they said, but we love her. When, and I said, but I love her more. And so I, I said, I want to marry her. And we went over to the jungle, and that's where we've been working for 25 years. And you have been a part of it, and I thank you so much for your participation um, in, in keeping us out there. And uh, as I was thinking about what to share this morning, it was like, share with them that everybody has to do something. Everybody has to do something. And I know so many are hooked into the cause. You are all doing so much. But maybe there are some who haven't taken a step. And that's who I'm talking to this morning. You saw uh, maybe in the video, a lot of the guys were wearing a shirt that said Suok. Suok in our tribal language means let's do it. And uh, that's what I get our people to do as well. We are sending out native missionaries to some of the 280 tribes that we have on our island there to share this good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, I have a text this morning, and it comes from Numbers 1330. And it is the story of Caleb and Joshua and those spies that went out into the land. And they were sent up there to see if uh, the children of Israel could conquer it. And, And they came back and they said... We can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in the land. But my heroes, Caleb and Joshua, said, shut up. Don't you remember what God has done for us? We can do it. Of course, we're like grasshoppers. But they say, and uh, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And in verse 14, 9, they say, the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And when I was uh, a little baby, my parents took me to what was then Netherlands, New Guinea. And it was a primitive Stone Age tribe over there. They were using stone implements. They lived in grass houses. And there was tribal war among every clan that was out there. People were fighting and killing. And it, for about the first five years of my life, I stayed there among the Dani people. I learned their language. Because everybody was carrying spears, my first word was not mama, but it was pege, which means spear. And uh, that's where I grew up, hunting and fishing and, and living with the people. And uh, it, was, uh, it was sometimes scary because I remember when the warriors would come back from a battle and they would be carrying their dead and uh, they would have a funeral. And I didn't like it at that time. It was the custom of the people to have the little girls have their fingers chopped off as a sacrifice to the ancestral spirits. If they had killed somebody, they would have a victory dance to remind the ancestral spirits that they had killed somebody to avenge the death. Of a, of a great grandfather. And this continued around us. But uh, then the, uh, we ate sweet potatoes every day. And that's what the people eat in the morning and at night. And uh, when somebody invites us to dinner, they always ask us, hey, what do Ben and Donnie eat? 
And I say, they eat anything. Everything that moves is eaten where we come from. They eat lizards and they eat fried up grubs and they eat their dogs and cats and uh, everything. Bats are good too. A lot of the stuff that you might think is not edible is actually quite edible and quite delicious. It's just that your culture determines what you can eat and uh, what what you can't eat. But you know, speaking of my boys, I got Ben and Donnie, 18 and uh, 20, great boys, participated with us in the gospel. I was just thinking last night when I couldn't sleep. I woke up at 3 o'clock, kind of worked up about it all. And uh, uh, I remembered when we had a church conference, we brought in all these evangelists from all over uh, the swamps and brought them in. We had national pastors, about 100 people in there. And I was going to show them uh, a movie, the Jesus film. For some, it was the first movie they'd ever seen. And we got ready to go there with the projector and everything. And, and the thing wouldn't work. And then I saw a little bit of smoke coming out of it. And I'm like, oh, man, what's going on here? Um, and... Uh, You know, we were kind of sitting there for about half an hour. And then my eight-year-old boy got up in an Indonesian. He said to all these pastors, I think we should pray over the projector. And then he led them in prayer, this little eight-year-old kid. And in my heart, I'm saying, Lord, make that thing run. It would be such a great thing to happen. And it did run. And we went on that week and had seminars. and, And you know what? I don't know if they really got anything out of the teachings in the seminars, but 15 years later, they're still talking about that day when that Ben got up and led them all in prayer. God works in strange ways. He goes before us, and I've seen over and over how when we don't know what to do, he opens those doors and closes those doors. Coming back to North America, I remember the first time my boys, they grew up not wearing shoes. And so their toes kind of spread out and we said, now here you have to wear shoes. And when the snow started, of course, they wanted to wear shoes, but they would get out of school. And the first thing they do is rip off their shoes. And Ben said one time, oh, it feels like my uh, my feet are in prison. But uh, we come back here to North America and things are all different. Like I said, I had never even heard that song before. And it's wonderful. But uh, everything is different for us. We were waiting for the airplane. And uh, the other day in uh, Chicago airport, whatever that is, and uh, there's lots of people waiting and everybody was irritated because it was delayed and delayed. You know how people get it. Um, I kind of wanted to talk to somebody, but nobody wanted to talk because they were all working on their technology, either laptops or phones. So I said, Mern, I'm going to go get coffee. So I went down to get some overpriced coffee down at the place. and, and, And when I got there, a guy started talking to me coming down the hall and I'm like, I couldn't really understand. I said, excuse me. And and he wasn't talking to me, but into a Bluetooth thing. And and that was my introduction back to North American living. Your choices here are astounding. Go down to Superstore down here. You've got a bunch of them in Toronto. And the choices, the aisles of dog food and the aisles of uh, uh, chips. And and can you really eat that much cereal? Uh, there's so many that that is all kind of uh, new to us here. Even stopped in at a place called Build Your Bear or something like that, and and you can put guts in it and feathers and and name it, and even for six fifty you can put a heart into it as well, so it has feeling for you. And uh, anyway. You know what? I want to thank you for giving to the Global Advance Fund. And that is the fund that keeps so many international workers out there. 
Over 250 people are out there preaching the gospel, teaching, baptizing, AIDS awareness, orphanages, and all kinds of good stuff. Somebody once said to me, you guys have killed so many in the crusades and done kinds of awful things. And I said, wait a minute. Do you know that way more good has been, not been done in the name of the gospel than that bad has been done? As we speak, there are thousands of people all through the deserts and the jungles and the swamps proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ and doing good in his name. And I'm excited to be a part of it. When I was in grade 11, I was frustrated because I never had the feeling that everybody was talking about. And my friend helped me understand what the grace of Jesus is all about. And that's what missions is all about. The grace of Jesus. So many people of the world try to do all kinds of stuff to keep God happy. But you know what? It doesn't matter how much good we do or what holy cities that we go to. We just have to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And you know what? It doesn't matter how bad we've been either. You can do all kinds of horrible stuff. If you would go to our country today, you would be having communion with women who don't have any fingers on their fingers because they chopped them off. People that have killed other people who have been transformed by the power of God. That's why I'm excited to be a part of this. And everybody has to play a part to make this whole thing happen. I uh, want to uh, tell you our story, but I want it to be more than our story. I want it to become everybody's story. And if you haven't hooked into the cause, take a step during this week. At the end of uh, this week on Sunday, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance Canada will be here. Be praying during this week. God, what is it that I need to do? Do I need to pray? Do I need to even go? How can I use the talents that God has given me? Anything that God has equipped us with can be used to the glory of God. Anything. It might be music. It might be art. When my wife was in high school, she was given the art award. And she said, I went up to the front, I got this art award, and she had already decided to become a missionary. And she said, how can I ever use it? Back there in the jungle, she is helping people to design handicrafts so that they can market baskets and carvings and all that kind of stuff so that they can support their churches and their families. God can use any gifting that he has given to you. And uh, we're excited about that. One of the things that has been kind of hard for us coming back is to, to see the emphasis on pets here. You know, we were in Calgary and we uh, saw an advertisement for a woodworking expo. And so we went in. We didn't know it, but downstairs was a pet expo. And so we got down there and uh, we, it was amazing to us. There are caskets for $500 for your dog. And you can go to pet dating things and counseling for your pets. There's even people that will do Botox to make your face different and uh, ear enhancements and for your pets and all that kind of stuff. And pets are all good. I have a dog myself. But sometimes it can go a little bit overboard. And uh, we went to one guy's house, and the first thing he did was introduce us to his dog. And, and I'm thinking, we make soup out of those things, you know? But <laughs> anyway, please don't run out. I'm not going to tell you to put your pets to sleep. Um, 
Myrna always warns me, now be careful when you go into church because, you know, you can't offend some people. Don't put your pets to sleep, but just don't overfeed them because so many are being overfed. And we need to focus on those that are made in the image of God. Focus on the people. Focus on Toronto, the, the masses of people that are here, half of them being born overseas somewhere. And it is such a great opportunity. Yesterday I went to the store and I met a woman from, from Afghanistan and her daughter. And, and I said, I'm so sorry of what, what's happened to your country. And, and her, she kind of bowed her head. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking of the opportunity opportunities that you have before you. Maybe it's for you to go to some country somewhere, but maybe it is to stay in Toronto, to, but to go down to Superstore and be more active in sharing this gospel of grace. When my uh, parents went to the field, it was a long time ago, and my, uh, my father knew that the people liked dogs. They liked, used them for hunting. And then when they got old, they killed them and ate them. And then they took the teeth out and they made necklaces. And so he found a dog tooth necklace in a tribe called the Meh tribe. And he took this necklace. And then when he went into the tribe where we were, he presented the necklace, the dog tooth necklace to the chief of the village. And he said, let's be friends. You don't kill me. We'll live in peace. I'll tell you about Jesus and it'll all be okay. And so he was there for a long time. And uh, years went by and nobody was responding to the gospel. They said, we want to keep the ancestors happy. And so one day my father told me he was in this village and, and uh, the chief was wearing the dog tooth necklace. And he said, we've brought stuff to you like steel axes and machetes and things like that dog tooth necklace. But we bring something way better. And that's the message of eternal life, how you can live forever. And uh, the chief said, ah, we don't, we're not interested in that. And uh, my dad told me you kind of went home discouraged, saying, why aren't these people listening? And a few months went by and the chief died. And so my father went to the funeral and the chief's son was wearing the dog tooth necklace around his neck. And so my father got up at the funeral and he said, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told your father. There are some things that are, are going to are be destroyed and be gone. And we want you to, to give your heart to, to, to following the Jesus talk, as they call it. And uh, the young chief now said, uh, I'm chief here and I'm making the decision that uh, we don't listen to you on that. We're following the ancestors. A few months went by and that chief too died. And the people said, hey, man, everybody's dying around here. Maybe there's something to this. And so they took that dog tooth necklace and they got rid of it. They gave it to a tribe called the Mumnoak tribe that lived over the mountains. Well, a few more years went by in about 1968 some uh, people started responding to the gospel. And then we were going to have the first baptism there. And I was a kid and uh, they, we had the baptism. And the next day, raiders came over, warriors came over and they were going to stop the spread of the gospel. And with their axes, they killed our evangelist wife and little baby. And one of the warriors that came that day, they told me was wearing the dog tooth necklace that my father had given well, I heard this story from the people and I'm like, I would really like to get a hold of that because it's kind of like a legend has grown up around that dog tooth necklace. Well, I went off to school and then it was pretty soon it was my graduation and uh, I didn't know it, but my father had been able to buy back that dog tooth necklace. And on my graduation, he gave it to me and he said, I want to tell you the same thing I told those chiefs. There's some things in this life that aren't worth living your life for. Live your life for things that are going to last. And I remembered that. We uh, graduated, and a friend of mine, we went hitchhiking through Europe. 
And uh, we were crazy, I guess. But I sent my uh, dog tooth necklace and my soccer cleats to Luxembourg, where I was going to pick them up before I came back here. And uh, when I got to Luxembourg, it had been lost, much to my dismay. And I've thought about that dog tooth necklace, and that's what I want to share with you. What is the dog tooth necklace in your life? What are those things that are keeping you from going all out? In serving God. It's a different value system, I know. I didn't get a car like most kids get when they graduate. I got a dog tooth necklace, but for me it was much more valuable. For some it might be education and jobs and status. I don't know what it is, but I've often thought about that dog tooth necklace and what it represents. Our values, you know, are determined by the people that we live among. I thought, told you about Ben and Donnie, and I remember bringing them to the park there. And uh, I told them that the washroom was way down at the other end. And, of course, they're looking at the bushes right next to them. And, Dad, come on. And I said, no, this is Canada, man. You've got to use the washroom. And, uh, of course, they're barefoot. And, you know, those signs they put up, no shoes, no shirt, no service, that kind of thing. They're like... Oh, man, so we had to put shoes on to get them in there. But uh, it really got bad because, you know, they eat anything that moves over there. And uh, then the friendly little squirrels came up and both of my boys reached down for rocks and sticks. And, and I said, no, guys, don't. You, you can't do that. You have to look at those things, not eat them. So um, their values were being determined by the culture in which they were living out there. And so often our culture is pumping all kinds of, excuse me, crap into our lives. When you watch television, maybe you have gotten a little bit used to it, but they're promoting things and celebrating things that break the heart of God. And so you need to be, well, Sundra, I think it's in your book. You can live cross-culturally here. If you don't live over in another culture, live cross-culturally here in Canada. And uh, I want to ask you, are you living for things that are going to last for things that will go on after you are gone? I love that verse in John six twenty seven that says, uh, don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that lasts for eternity. And Donnie translation in our native Bible, we translate it. Or don't work for sweet potatoes that are going to rot, but work for sweet potatoes that will live or last forever. And uh, I remember my mother-in-law, Mern's mom, used to say, remember, as you go to the mission field, only God's word and God's people will live forever. So spend your time on those things. And this is what this missionary business is all about. This emphasis of the whole church, the whole gospel to the whole world is all about. this is God's global cause. And it's important to him and it's got to be important to us as well. And, you know, it's not so much, as I've already said, a matter of where we're located geographically in the world. It is what our heart is. And, you know, it's all about worship. We are worshiping. I've had guys come up to me. They don't even follow Jesus and they want to be missionaries out there doing something. I'm like, get your heart in order first. Be a worshiper here so that you can help those guys out there worship as well. Everybody has to do something. What will you do? I know I'm running out of time. Last week I spoke at a wonderful group of uh, Vietnamese mountain people who have been persecuted for many years now. 
And, uh, you know, usually I go to churches and they say, you have uh, you know, this many minutes. I went to one place and they said, you have four, four and a half minutes to speak. And that, that's a little bit rattling. But these Vietnamese were great because they kept saying, no, go on, go on. And, I, and uh, we went for three hours last week. I'm not going to do that this morning, though. I promise. Okay. Because people will be coming through the snow to get in here. But, um, you know, people who have been persecuted for the faith. Is just amazing to hear their testimonies. And just like I have been so encouraged coming here. Mer and I told them it's like they're putting fuel into our tank to go. I went last week and to hear these pastors share their testimonies of five years in prison and, and being persecuted. One guy, every Christian holiday, the communists would come and tie him up. And one guy was 18 months chained to the wall in his house. And I'm like, guys, knowing everything that you have gone through, I can, in, I can endure some hardship as well. Caleb and Joshua said we should go up and possess the land. Let's possess Toronto. Let's knock down those walls. We have a gospel that works. That's all that it claims to be that changes people's lives incredibly. And I want to say to you, maybe if you're here visiting and you haven't walked the Jesus trail, our people say our older brother, Jesus, they talk to him in the night. If you have not put your trust in him, my friends, today might be the day that you need to do that. Come up and talk to us. Maybe you're struggling with some issues in your life. We all struggle with stuff. We all struggle with those issues. Maybe it's a dysfunctional background. Maybe there is addictions of something. You know what? God can transform us and use us because he is in the business of recycling and he changes us and makes us whole and can use us as long as we're willing to take the first step. Everybody's got to do something. And maybe what you need to do is take that first step in walking the Jesus trail. Indeed, there are giants in the land. There are giants here. When you face those giants, remember that we're here to possess the land. Wherever you go in the world, in your work, in your communities, in your marriages, in your families, and you face difficulties that leave your hearts hurting and, and, and cause you to kind of want to fight back at times. Oh, we have giants. We, you know, you've been praying for us. I know the many times that you've prayed for us about our church split, where the Christ followers have been uh, just torn apart and churches are being burnt down and people beaten up and offices and houses confiscated. And we have tried to get justice for the people. And nine years now, we have been working on it. Please keep praying about our church uh, split. You know about the threats for deportation. And I know many of you got together for a special prayer time for Myrna and I when we were being threatened to be deported. And I got to tell you the story of Pat Yan. He was ready to throw me out of the country. He said, I'm going to hold you here in the police station until I decide whether to deport you. And you got emails and you prayed for us. And two weeks later, he called me back in there and, and he said, you know what? What you're doing is good. We need more people like you. If it wasn't for missionaries, we wouldn't be going anywhere. Go back there and recruit more people to come out here and help us. And I said, sir, do you know how many people have been praying for you by name? And he said, oh, thank you. But we have seen people uh, changed around like that. In Papua, we have the problem, the giant of AIDS that is killing so many people. In our little town, three or four death announcements a day. People are dying of a virus they know so little bit about. And I've got a sticker here. Um, it's called Samoa Harustau. And we put these all over the place on airplanes, on helicopters. We put them on little boats and on little shacks. And it says Samoa Harustau. Everyone must know the key is purity before marriage and faithfulness in marriage. And uh, I was going through the market 
couple months ago and somebody yelled out, Hey, semua harus tahu, semua harus tahu. They know by our sticker what we are standing for. And those that have uh, become HIV positive, we love. And I dream of a day when I can have a soccer team made up of HIV positive people who are going out there all having been transformed by the power of God. We produced an AIDS video that we have shown many times on uh, on Indonesian TV, and we've translated uh, AIDS information into 16 languages that we take out. We get on the helicopter, go out into remote aer- areas on the airplane, uh, informing people all about the HIV virus and also of the forgiveness of God. Presenting AIDS also leads to a wonderful opportunity to present the grace of God. And... Uh, Indeed, there are giants in the land, but there are no giants that are too big for us that can stand against the power of God. I know it can get discouraging in your life and in mine, but it is God who has called us. He sent us out there and that's where we're going to stay until he tells us to go someplace else. We have the giant of language as well. Our island of New Guinea has 20 percent of the world's languages. Every we have tribes of people, a hundred people with a, a distinct language of their own. And uh, Myrna and I are involved in a translation project. We aren't doing the translation, but we have two guys, Amos and Enos, who are out there translating the Bible. And they have now completed the first draft of the we're filling in the Old Testament. Before my mother died, she had translated the New Testament and uh, parts of the Old Testament. Psalms and Proverbs were done. And now we're trying to do the whole thing. Amos and Enos write it out. They we they give it to us. We send it to Calgary, Alberta, where 12 Canadians get together and they do the type uh, typing and they put it on Dropbox and send it back out. Myrna prints it out and gets it back into the village where they make corrections. And so there is this big international uh, uh, translation project going on. And we are excited about um, Enos Payaga, our greatest uh, translator. He was actually an orphan who. Um, uh, kind of grew up in our house. He, the people didn't like him so much and they'd tied him up and uh, they would throw him out of the village. But he was hungry, so he would steal for food. And, and so he'd come into our house and we'd feed him and then he'd steal from us. And so we'd throw him out for a couple hours and then he'd get hungry. And how can you say no to an orphan that's hungry? And one time my dad gave a whole stalk of bananas to him. And my brother said, Dad, what are you doing? That guy's just using you. Because he wanted bananas for himself, you know. But, but my, my dad said, you know what? God's never going to judge me for being too generous to an orphan. Well, that orphan went on to become a great Bible translator. He can sit for eight hours. I can sit for 15 minutes. But God has gifted him in translation. And fueled by a stalk of bananas, he continues to do his work. Amen. Um, so, um, Sometimes there's that giant of seeing a job too big. You look at Toronto and say, Lord, what in the world could we do? I look at uh, the, the lack of nutrition and, and I see the glue sniffing that's happening and I see the, the, the babies dying of diarrhea. I see people that don't even have adequate drinking water. And I say, Lord, where do we start? How can we do, uh, you know, reach some of those other tribes out there? There are some tribes that don't even have one verse in their language. How can we do everything? Myrna and I always say, we can't do everything, but we can do something. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And what we can do, we will do with the help of God. You got to take a step in that direction to do something. And if you're not doing something today, make a decision to do something. There is 
a commitment card that will be given to you. And it gives opportunities and commitments that you can make. And one of the great commitments I saw on there was find somebody to hold you accountable to doing something. And that's a great thing because you have to be accountable. Okay, Joe, I'm going to read that book on missions. Well, you're probably not going to read it unless somebody holds you accountable. And so that is a good way to go. Maybe it's other things in your life that you are struggling with. It is accountability that keeps you going. Let me tell you about Melody. We call him Melo. He is a left wing on our soccer team. We're using uh, soccer for uh, creating soccer families. We have 206 kids involved. And this summer I'm taking... Uh, 12 soccer players from uh, North America, one Spanish guy, and uh, joining with Papuan soccer players, and we're going to tour all around Indonesia, teaching about HIV and AIDS, peace stuff between different religions. We're really excited about that. But uh, Melo was a street kid, and he would be sniffing glue all the time. I said, Melo, how did you eat? He said, I would just steal stuff and sell it, and then I could eat. And he didn't want to go home because his mother and father were fighting all the time. And this wonderful Dutch missionary woman named Willie started bringing these street kids in and she would feed them. And she gave them she, she would wash their clothes and she was teaching them how to read and 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 trying to say, don't be doing that glue sniffing. Uh, they, contact cement and they would get high off of it. And it's very destructive. Most of those kids are dying. And and Melo listened and he uh turned his heart over to his older brother, Jesus, and went into school. And uh, a couple months ago, he graduated from high school and uh, is the captain of our soccer team. And he goes around uh, hitting the, uh, 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 advising uh, all the other kids about the dangers of sniffing glue. This year, he wants to be baptized. There's uh, sometimes there is that uh, giant of tribalism that we face. Tribal wars raging all over the world. And uh, don't believe what Hollywood tells you about everybody holding hands and dancing around the fire and love and that kind of thing. Um, a lot of awful stuff is happening. But um, a few years ago, uh, I think it was about 10 years ago, actually, I had shared a story here. And Dorothy, bless her heart, from this church said, hey, tell that story again about the, the war that came to the people. So I'm going to tell that story again. And uh, it, it, so they came to me and said, can you come help us make peace? War has been raging in our area. It was a tribe way over the mountains. And I really didn't have a lot to do with those people. And I can't just go running off solving all the tribal wars that are happening there. And, and I said, you guys try to solve it yourself. Well, he came back. He came bugging me, bugging me. So uh, we decided to go. And uh, I went down. The helicopter pilot said, this is important. And he flew us over the mountains. And me and a, a national pastor. And when we got to this area, I saw that all the houses had been burnt down. Hundreds of houses destroyed. The gardens all dug up. All their livestock had been killed. And as we came over this mountain, I saw on this hill all these warriors on the hill with their weapons. And I saw on the other hill all these warriors and they were faced off. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Take me to the right place. And again, he led me to the land in this one area where all these guys were with their paint and the pig's tusks through their necks and, and dog's teeth around. And, and they were ready for war. And, and I jumped out of the helicopter and, and I said, hey, how you doing? And they were kind of shocked because they didn't know I was coming. And, and uh, the big war chief came, big old muscles came up at, at me. And uh, he said, uh, oh, thank you for coming. And, and then there was this. This weird silence came over everything. And I've never experienced anything like this in my life. But uh, I saw that he was getting teary-eyed. 
And pretty soon, tears were rolling down his cheeks and kind of messing up his war paint a little bit. And, and I was kind of sitting there and pretty soon other guys started crying. And then for about 15 minutes, all these warriors with their weapons there fighting the enemy were sobbing. And then it all stopped. And then the chief got up and he said, when you landed, it reminded us of the, the missionary that came here 30 years ago. And he told us the Jesus talk and how we're supposed to love one another. So I said, OK, thank you, Lord. Um, are you who's the spiritual leader? Because these people have all heard the gospel. They have become Christians, but they still struggle because they want to get get even for grandpa that was killed a long time ago. And uh the guy stood up. He says, I'm the pastor here. And I said, well, are you willing to go to the enemy side? I will put you in the helicopter and take you over there. He hesitated a little bit. And, and then he said, OK, I'll go. And he got in the helicopter. I took him over to the enemy side, got out, hesitated a little bit, getting out of the helicopter. But he got out and he greeted the people. And then I said to the other side, give me who's your spiritual leader. And the guy stood up and I said, OK, get in the helicopter. I'm taking you to the other side. So I took him over to where the enemies were. They welcomed him back. And I said, we're coming back tomorrow. You guys talk about peace. And what your older brother Jesus told you to do. And so I took off, went back home. That night I laid in bed and I said, Myrn, what have I done? What if those guys kill each other in the night? It's going to be a horrible story. But in, early in the morning, I got down, went down, got to my friend Brian in the helicopter. I said, let's go. And we went back over. And as we flew in over there, this time there were more warriors all there. And their weapons were still up. That means we're still at war. And uh, so I said, OK, what do I do now? Uh and then I saw it in the clearing in this ravine, the people had put a little cross and at the foot of the cross, there was about 20 people, 20 men. And so I said, land right there. So we landed by the cross and it was the pastors of that area. They said, we're trying to make peace here. And they had a megaphone and they gave it to me and they said, you talk to him. And I didn't know what to say, except the Lord gave me the line. If you kill all each other off, who is going to dig the gardens here? I said, I come in the name of the Lord of the universe, the king of all nations. And he says, love one another. And I kind of do crazy things sometimes. As I, you can't imagine that, I know. But uh, I, I went and I grabbed the cross that was there and I started running up and down the hill there saying, you know, God loves you. And, and pretty soon a whoop went up over there and a yell went up over there. And, and then we invited everybody that had lost loved ones in the fighting to send representatives down. And it was kind of a moving moment to see everybody send loved ones down, down there to the cross where we prayed for them. But they still had to ask the war chief if it was okay, if it was a done deal. And so as they went back up, I followed with a, a handy cam or a camera because I wanted to record it on, uh, on, a, on video. And I want to show you a little clip here. And that's what missions is all about. This missionary business that we talk about. We can have peace with God so that we can have peace with each other. And this is the message that we proclaim. I don't care what anybody says. We've got a gospel that works that is all that it claims to be that transforms people's lives. I told you about that dog tooth necklace. 
and how I lost it in Europe. And I was, I was so frustrated because I lost my soccer shoes too. And, uh, but I lost my most prized possession that my father had given me. I remember he said, never ask what a job pays, ask what it's worth. And I remembered that. And you know what? One day I got one of those little slips in the mail in college and it said, you've got a package. And so I went and I opened my, my box and there was the package that I had sent from Frankfurt. There it was, and I found out later that there was a businessman who had been able to locate it, and, and he, he sent it to me, and I wish I had about 500 of these to hand out to everybody, that maybe you could hang on your wall, maybe you could put it in your car, I don't know, but to remind you that there are things in this life that are not worth living our lives for. This is valuable to me, but it's not worth living my life for. I don't want to live my life for a dog tooth necklace. I don't want to live it for a job or for a career or for education or anything else. And that is the challenge that I want to leave with you. What are those things in your life, my friends, that are keeping you from taking a step of faith in the direction? There is difficult things that you face. It's not all easy. Pastor Sunder said that 150,000 believers uh, persecuted for their faith, killed for their, their faith. More people have been killed in our generation than all of the generations previous because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It will require sacrifice. And I want to remind you that Jesus never said that it's going to be easy to follow him. It's going to be hard. Sometimes you won't have a place to lay your head, he said. Foxes have holes and the birds have nests. But you follow me and you're not going to have any place to lay your head. I challenge you today, especially the young people, as you're going through this week and you're going to be concluding things on uh, next Sunday. And you will be given an opportunity to make a commitment. I want you to be thinking, Lord, how am I going to use my life? I don't want to live my life for a dog tooth necklace like that buzz guy was talking about there. I want to live it for things that are going to last long after I am gone. My friends, we need to be praying. We need to be investing. We need to be involving and we'll go over those things next week. But I love the Christian and Missionary Alliance and I love the passion of our founder, Dr. A.B. Simpson. You know, Dr. Simpson was a great man of God from right here in the Toronto area. And uh, uh, he uh, had a, a vision to, to reach the lost. And, and the new immigrants that were coming in his church said, we don't want to have anything to do with it. We just want you to preach on Sunday. Dr. Simpson, after praying for it over uh, a period of time, he left that church and he launched the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And this organization now exists in 81 countries of the world. And that church, 13th Street Church, in New York City closed its doors long ago and now is a boarding house. If we keep our priorities right, if we keep focused on what God has called us to do, as we worship God, let it not just be worship and then do nothing, but worship that makes it so that we want other people to worship this God that we serve as well. Dr. Simpson, speaking about missions, said, let our churches exist for this. Let our ministers preach for this. Let our seminaries and our colleges be on fire with this one theme. Let our homes be furnished and our wardrobes be purchased with reference to this. And let a whole army of true hearts prove to the world around and to the heavens above that they understand the meaning of the cross of Calvary, the cry of dying souls and the glory of the coming king. My friends at Rexdale, young people, don't live your life for a dog tooth necklace. Don't live it for sweet potatoes that are going to rot. Live it for the unseen, for things that will last on long after that you are gone. Let's go over and possess the land. Everybody needs to do something. What part will you play? 
I touched my heart as the Indonesians do. God's blessing be upon you. You know, uh, dog collars are not broken by denying them. You will only conquer desire by a stronger desire. And I was, you, many of you read about the three British girls who are missing on their way to join the ISIL in Syria. And I asked myself the question, they live in England, where all the modern temptations are there. What, what takes three 15-year-old kids? Not denial. They weren't told to deny all the pleasures around them. They were captured by an ideology, however corrupt it might be. They were captured by an ideology big enough that they said had no trouble saying no to everything around them. They were radicalized. And this morning in the news I heard that it was an aunt, a family member that radicalized them. What does that mean for us as parents? What teenagers are going to get captured by a vision this big that they'll say no to all the dog collars? They need parents who are radical enough to be able to say, this is the kind of son and daughter I want, right? Okay, so I want to bless you and please get your hands out to me because I need it as much as you do. May Jesus be so magnified in our lives that we as fathers, mothers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, pastors will be the first ones to live radical lives for Jesus and say to our sons and daughters, here's a cause worthwhile living for and you have my blessing for it. Go in Jesus' name.